when people have the nerve to try things and put themselves in the position of potential failure, that is often where great things come from. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. Today, you'll hear an episode from our Takeover Tuesday series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sanger always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. My name is Noah Omri Levin. This is a very exciting episode for me as Jennifer's book and work has made a tremendous impact on myself and my wife throughout our careers. Jennifer Joy Walker has a tremendous background. You'll get to hear a little bit about it in this episode. And that background includes being the author of Full Color Living, the book I mentioned before, as well as the president of her company with the same name. Over more than two decades, she has helped people achieve their purpose and potential through consulting, coaching, public speaking, and that's for individuals, groups, and organizations that include Disney and Universal Studios. Her expertise includes helping with leadership development and organizational development, as well as a slew of other areas you'll get a taste of here. Beyond hearing about her career and work, I asked Jennifer to listen to a few episodes of Digital Marketing Life that you've now heard and share her perspective with us. I know you'll enjoy this one. Jennifer, welcome to Digital Marketing Life. It's such an honor to have you on today. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. I was really excited for this episode, particularly because I read your book years ago and it had a profound impact on me. So I want to just jump right into it. You wrote the book, Full Color Living. You've also written Full Color Work. Can you tell us about, prior to writing these books, a little bit about the career that led up to them? And then we can dig into what the books are about. Sure. I probably didn't have a traditional career, but that is probably not that common anyway. I actually started in the theater, loved sort of being in the arts. And that kind of took me, though, into working in communications. And I started working within companies doing corporate communication work, including employee communications and shareholder communications. Once I had some time in the workplace, I really was taken by my sense that in so many cases, people were not feeling that they were fully engaged where they were in their work for a variety of reasons. And I was really curious about that. I was curious about how we make decisions about where to work, what to do, what to pursue. And that led me ultimately into exploring um, the whole concept of vocation. Vocation, what are we called to? You know, what should we be doing with our time on this earth? And so I actually uh, pursued a degree. I did a master's degree, which was uh, a study in uh, vocational counseling and spiritual psychology. So I did a master's and I did that at Leslie University in Boston. Started working, doing career counseling with clients, with individuals. And then I started actually working with companies, doing organizational career development work, which is the question there was, let me help people as individuals discern better for themselves what direction they want to go in and how they want to pursue that as in terms of their careers. And then for organizations, what do organizations need to do to create an environment where people can thrive and help the company be successful, help the organization be successful? So I was doing that work. I was in the Boston area at the time. And uh, that was really interesting. And then as I continued working within organizations, I started learning to do more work with leadership development, team development, because here I am now in organizations trying to help them be more effective so that people can thrive in their work. And so I'm discovering it would be helpful to be able to work with teams to help them be more successful as teams, to help leaders be more successful as leaders. And so my career moved into doing more organization development work. Then I moved into doing uh, internal staffing work. I went to uh, Universal Orlando and I was responsible for reorganizing their whole internal staffing process so that if you worked at Universal and you were in one department and you really wanted to work in another department, how could we help you make that transition? So that was a really actually exciting project that I did with them. And from there, I got into doing more and more organization development work, which is more about how do you help organizations create environments in which employees can thrive. And that can have to do with the structure of the organization or the processes of the organization, 
the leaders of the organization, all sorts of things. And so then I moved on and uh, took an opportunity at Disney uh, and I moved into their organization development department. I was a consultant within their organization development department. So I was an internal consultant working with different client systems throughout the organization, which was exciting and fun and challenging. I had a great experience with that. So that was around the time I started thinking about writing the book. And I think it's because I kind of wanted to try to put down what is it about the choices we make that enable us to have a life that's fully self-expressive and satisfying. So uh, I took some time and worked on the book, wrote the book, and the thing that inspired me to write the book, because I had it in mind to do for probably a couple of years, but all of a sudden I got this idea that I should interview people like you're doing, Omri, with me, interview people and ask them the question, what makes a life uh, a fully self-expressive and satisfying life for you? And of course, the answers will vary because everyone has a different idea of what they would like their life to look like. That's appropriate. But from the interviews and from the research I've done over the years and my own experience working with clients, I came up with some key elements that seemed to contribute to a life that's a full color life, a life that's fully self-expressive and satisfying. So that is what led me to the book. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you for sharing all of that. I would love to hear a little bit about the uniqueness of each book. I know personally, I've been able to dig into full color living and that was something that really had an impact on me. So maybe if you can tell the listeners a little bit about full color living, but also about full color work uh, and other pieces you've put together and some of the work you've done with this book. So sure. Well, full color living, that's the book that I did that, you know, was basically was based on interviews with people. And I found people, some of them, I kind of knew that they seemed to be living a life that they were on a good track for themselves. They were happy. They were satisfied with their lives. I also asked people to recommend others. So I got really an interesting cross-section of people in various careers and various locations and at various times in their life. So what I kind of learned about it was actually interesting for me. I did learn something by doing the interviews that was more than what I already knew as a career counselor. That was actually the importance of being as opposed to doing, which actually is a challenge that I live every day of my life because I love to be active and I have so many interests and um, I'm always pursuing things and learning and growing, which is wonderful. But I actually learned from the people I listen to that they have a life that's really a, a life that's satisfying and in full color for an individual. The first thing you need to do is to be able to be um, really true to yourself and to kind of come back to that that base, that heart of who you are as a person. And everyone's life in full color will look different. Mine's going to look different from yours. What I, what I love, some people are going to want a life that is very active and out in the world. And other people are going to love to have a more quiet life um, in a smaller circle and all these different choices that we make. Um, but it begins really with a self-awareness before anything else, and just sort of an ability to connect with ourselves. And I think that's something that can be a challenging thing to do. And then from there, you know, once you've kind of got that, then you're, you're exploring a bunch of aspects of life, uh, about what's important to you. You know, there's a whole process of exploration. There's an exploration about who am I? Who have I always been? Who have I been, even though I maybe have gotten messages along the way that I should be a different way? What do I really love? What brings me joy? What would I do? even if no one paid me to do it because I get so engrossed with it that I am fascinated and time flies by all these things that I asked my clients questions over the course of the time that we work together. And it's really designed to help people rediscover themselves. And then from that, there's no huge magic. Once you've rediscovered yourself and you go, that's right, this is who I am and probably who I've always been. um, What's going to be a good direction for that person. So that book, full color living is really about the key things that I learned about what brings joy to people when they choose in terms of their whole process of deciding what kind of work to do. And it includes self-acceptance and it includes appreciation and includes having a community. It includes being present to the present moment, being, being, aware, being aware of what's going on around you, all of those things. Yeah, one of the topics in the book that stood out to me when I first read it and also when I reviewed it was the section called Barriers to Full Color Living. And in that section, you discussed how the kind of the driven nature of our modern world makes it really hard to stop and reflect. You just mentioned self-awareness and something that 
we've covered a bunch in the podcast previously, and I've been talking with people in the digital marketing industry in particular, is how we kind of have operationalized marketing today or weaponized it, if you will, to hijack people's self-awareness. It's kind of a lot of the objective of, of the platforms that we're in uh-huh. in comparison to what they might have looked like you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. So you wrote this book over 10 years ago now. And given that the world is constantly now connected through smartphones that are in our pockets that have access to all of the knowledge of the world, what are your thoughts about how this might have changed, be more applicable? In particular, I'd love to hear if you think there's kind of any hope for us (laughs) and what we need to kind of break through those barriers today even more than ever. Well, when I when I wrote the book, I think it, I, I agree with you, Omri. I think it's gotten more intense. The all the things that pull people away from self awareness, and it is very attractive and to get caught up in what's really an outrageous amount of information and ways of being engaged in the outside world. You know, when I did the book, one of the people I interviewed was a guy named Dieter Hannig, and Dieter was responsible for food and beverage for the entire Disney organization. He was a chef from Germany and he was really the leader of everything that those chefs were doing in that company. Neat guy. I worked with him and then I, he actually consented to being interviewed for the book. And he was talking about how he saw a vicious cycle in America of people wanting bigger cars, bigger mortgages, bigger risks. And that his experience was that Europeans were different. And he talked about needing to take time. He talked about needing to step away from the from work and just go outside and be in nature. He talked, uh, he told a beautiful story about how when he came home from work, he liked to have um, dinner with his wife. He would make dinner. They would always have fresh flowers on the table. They wouldn't have the television on. They would have a conversation with each other. And he made time for that, for those moments. And so, so then he, he saw, you know, the challenge of living in the modern culture. And I think it's just gotten more challenging. And I think it takes more conscious discipline from us. Otherwise, we kind of risk being just washed away in this tidal wave of being connected to the world and potentially not being connected to ourselves. So you talked about the barriers to full color living. So that is one of them. It's, it has, has to do with the culture we live in. And also the expectations that we have that either are based on our culture, because you look around yourself and you see, oh, so-and-so has this and has that, does this and does that. I'm supposed to be like that. Or it just has to do with not taking the time to remind ourselves of what's really important to us as individuals. And, you know, one thing that I have found to be a great thing that helps with awareness and helps with perspective is travel. And I know you were curious, Omri, about what, you know, one thing, what would I recommend to people who are in the digital marketing field? I would recommend anybody, if they have the opportunity to travel, that's really a wonderful eye-opener because we live in a very specific society. And you and your work, you live in a, in a subculture, right? You have a very small society and you have your norms and your expectations in your society. But boy, if you can get outside of that, if you can bust out and see other parts of the world, you can see that this is not necessarily the norm everywhere, and we have choices. People live in very different ways around the world. We're fortunate in the ways we're able to live with the freedoms that we have and the opportunities that we have. But, you know, your little culture, my little culture, that's just a little subculture. And the most important culture is the one that's inside you. What, what matters to you in the long run? I love that. I, I know, first of all, it's really great advice, but also something else that's in your book that helped me, and I know your daughter, Kayla, who I happen to be married to, also uses this in her work, is the wheel of balance uh, that was in the book. And how I remember way back when, and I've still used different forms of this, sitting down and assessing essentially this wheel of balance, kind of assess different areas of life. And it it helped me break down the different roles I play in the areas of my life, in the areas of my career, and kind of what I want to be doing to grow each of those pieces. So when it comes to self-awareness, that was a really great practical tool that helped kind of break out of this and and helped really think through in almost a systematic way. It gave me a process and structure with which to actually do that work. And 
all the more so I, I always think we, whenever we go on a road trip or we go traveling, we do more road trips because of all the kids, but that always is a great time to do some of this work. I know when we all went to Maine, mm-hmm. that was always a really great time to kind of not only notice the different choices and norms of the, the different cultures around us, but also take the time to not be in the culture we're used to and, and really reflect in a totally different environment. Mm-hmm. To unplug. And, you know, when you think about these different, the, um, this, the wheel of balance, it talks about, you know, the, the, the different aspects of our life, like your, your body, your health, your relationships, your finances, personal growth, your career, all, all these different areas. But another thing to, to be aware of is that's going to change over different times in your life. Different times in your life, different things are possible and more important. And that's also interesting. And, you know, the idea that we can do everything all at once, that's difficult. We can maybe do everything, but it's difficult to do everything all at once. And so you end up having to prioritize. And some of it has to do with the reality of your life. You have small kids at home, you're driving a car, you know, on your trip, maybe some things, some things you can't compromise on. You know, I always did a values exercise with my clients and I, you know, whenever I ask anyone asked me to help them with this, I, we talk about, you know, what are the things that at this time in your life are just so important to you? And let's make sure that those maintain, continue to be things that you put this time aside for. If we can say something's a priority, but if we don't make room for it in our lives, it really isn't. We're allowing something else to take over. And early in a life, you know, maybe developing your career is the most important thing or, you know, raising your children or it just, it really varies uh, depending on where you are, which is really kind of a cool thing. Yeah, it's amazing. So speaking of where you are in your life and those different, not only phases, but modes, Tell us a little bit about full-color work and how that differs from full-color living. So full-color work is something that, as a book that I put together, um, based on the process that I use with my clients. So we go through a process um, of discernment. And so there's a whole bunch of exercises. And I finally decided, why don't I give them a book and they can work through it with me. Um, And it's actually something that was also designed to be done by an individual on their own. It's wonderful to have a conversation partner if it's not a career counseling situation. It could be a good buddy that, you know, walks through these questions with you. But that's where, you you know, you ask a number of questions about things that help you make a decision about what direction to go in. When I think about career, I think about you standing in the middle of a 360-degree circle. And maybe when you were, like, in 10th grade, you had no clue what direction you wanted to go in. Or maybe you knew you liked math, right? And that's about it. And boy, there's a whole world out there. But as you move forward, the more you learn about yourself and the more you learn about the world outside, the more accurate you can be in terms of what direction you're going to want to walk in, you know? So what are some of the things you want to think about is your own personality style and the interests that you've had over the course of your life, your own, your interest types, the topics of things that interest you, the kind of environment you want to be in. So even think about that, you know, I mean, there's so many different careers that are in entirely different environments. It's not always an office. It could be a hospital. It could be uh, on a ship somewhere. Uh, It could be, you know, just almost anything. So it helps to open your mind to what kind of environment you want to be in. You had a fellow that you interviewed that became a firefighter. And one thing that he talked about was he just didn't want to be at a desk. And that's a perfectly fine thing, you know, not everybody belongs there. Uh, he wanted to be working out with the community. And so he discovered a way to do that, which was to be a firefighter. So in terms of full color work, the idea is to really think through who you are as a person, what things interest you, what things captivate your attention, what kind of personality style you have, what kind of environment you want to be in. And you sort of, you know, that kind of, and what you're good at, your, your strengths, what, what, things you have that you are good at. And people people will often dismiss their strengths. They figure, well, I'm good at it, so everybody must be good at it. But if it's a strength that you have, then that's the ideal thing for you to do is to is to focus on that one, two, three strengths and find ways that you can use them in a work environment. So the full color workbook is about that. It's a workbook to help people think through and explore themselves and then help themselves Get to a point where they know how to explore. They know where they want to go. And you had people that you discussed this with. You know, how did you find your field? And they talked about, you know, kind of following their nose, um, exploring environments they were interested in, networking, talking to people who were in the field, 
trying something out, interning with something, and you don't always nail it right away. You don't always know exactly what the job is you want, but you kind of know what general direction you want to go in. And the more you head in that direction and the more you talk to people and the more you explore and the more you try, the closer you get to what you really want to do. That's been my experience. A lot of that is extremely helpful and very practical in terms of what a person can do on their own. And, and it's really interesting for me because as you describe it, there are a lot of different pieces that I almost want to go out and try myself. One of the things I would love to cover today is not only people, but you've worked with these organizations from the opposite side. So when you're an organization and you want to apply this to the environment that you create for your employees, for the people that uh, interact with your organization, how do these concepts apply to organizational life? But how do we also create a full-color organization? How should companies and leaders think about what they can do to welcome individual strengths, the passions, preferred environments, all of those pieces for the people in their workplace or in their environments? So that's a great question, Omri. You know, it, now that we, you know, we have some ideas about what people might want to think about in terms of the work that they want to do, what can organizations do to help create an environment where those people are going to thrive? There's some basic things. First one I would say is, is have an organization that allows people to play to their strengths. There's been a bunch of books written on this topic, came out of research about from the Gallup organization about what tends to make organizations successful and people successful in them. And they discovered that when people have the opportunity to use their strengths most of the time, they will be more successful and they will be more engaged in the work and therefore the company will be more successful overall. So you think about a performance evaluation meeting you have, you know, maybe once a year with your boss and often they will say, you know, you did good with this and that, but here's three things I want you to work on. You know, you're really not very organized and I really need you to be more organized with your processes, whatever. One thing that we've learned is we need to be focusing on those things that you do well. So let's say you're wonderful with clients. Let's get you out with clients. Let's say you're great at writing. Let's get you writing. Let's say you're wonderful at redesigning processes. Let's get you doing that. If you're not good at organizing, nothing I say to you is going to make you great at organizing. What I need to do as an organization is help give you some support systems to make that possible. So it means that job descriptions maybe aren't just so written in stone instead. And I think companies more and more are doing this. Let's find this person and figure out what they thrive at and let's create that, that opportunity for them to spend most of their time doing what they love. So building that on strengths, helping people identify what they're really good at and allowing them to use that in the workplace is a, is a huge part of it. And they'll become more engaged. And then other things are basic, like have a, an organization where there's open communication. You know, have an organization where failure is not going to be the end of your career. You know, that, that it's possible to fail and learn from it and move on. Not because you're being lazy, but because you genuinely made an effort and it didn't work out. You've learned something, now you're going to move on from that. It basically, what I'm saying is have it be a safe place where people can try things uh, because that's where innovation comes from. Help people see how their job contributes to what the company is trying to accomplish. So don't keep that a secret. You know, I need to see my day-to-day -day work. How am I having an impact on my organization? I need to see the connection between what I'm doing and how my organization's doing. And then just having a, a culture that celebrates too. And that's, you know, something we often forget to do, but boy, people work together for long hours, for long periods of time, and they're trying to accomplish goals. And if they're hitting those goals or even sub goals to take the time to create that community and celebrate what this group is accomplishing. Those are some of the key things I think that help make a full color organization. Amazing. Yeah, that definitely resonates. I, I know just having worked in the various places I've worked, particularly being able to do the work that I love, but that I feel like I, I'm good at is huge when you get in a, a rut because you're sitting there doing work that you're not good at. It can be really rough, especially if that starts to take up most of your days. Yeah. And you know, um, uh, something that can happen too is you can become good at something that you don't like to do. And when I've worked with clients, I've often said, just because you're good at it doesn't mean you have to do it. And I've seen people who put things on their resume that they've gotten skilled at, but don't like. And I say, take it off your resume. 
don't market yourself to do this if this isn't what you love. You're not stuck with it. So it's more and more trying to move people into places where they're going to thrive. And and from what I've seen of your career so far, Romer, you've had that opportunity. You've you've uh, been given opportunities where you can thrive based on your strengths. And the other thing that happens when you're given those opportunities is you have more and more connection to that organization. You feel more supportive of that you know, organization, you feel more part of that organization, you want that organization to succeed when you are being treated in that way, you know, valued as a contributor to that organization. And if people are listening to this and they're getting kind of queasy because they feel like I have not got that situation, then that's a, that's a, that's a message to them to say, okay, what do you need to do to, to make sure you are in a situation, whether it's your own, you know, employment, your self-employment or finding a different organization or changing your field because you're really not where you want to be. People find themselves in careers that maybe they enjoyed at one time or maybe they never enjoyed. But at one point they finally say, you know, this really isn't bringing me joy. I'm, I'm, I'm slogging away. I'm doing it for a paycheck and I'm not feeling great about it. You know, that's a normal thing to have happen. We grow as people, we change as people, we learn, we have experiences. And that is just a message to say, let's start exploring again, because maybe it's time for a shift. And, you know, a generation or two ago, you could go into a job and you'd have your whole career there. You'd get the watch, you know, at the last day, you'd retire. That would be the whole story. But you know that careers aren't like that anymore. People are are shifting around and they will have maybe three different entire careers in their life. Yeah, 100%. And just before we move on, that something that you mentioned there in particular resonates personally with me. You mentioned that failure not being the end of your career and being in an environment where that's the case. And, and one of the things that to me often seems to, to arise, I think, I don't know exactly where this came from, a lot of different environments and things that I've been taught. But whenever I see failure, I see a really dark situation. I often think that this is the biggest opportunity for something great to come out of it. Because nobody appreciates when things are great and then they're still great. But when things are horrible and they become great, then it, that juxtaposition just is incredible. So there was a situation for myself over the past year and a half where just the, a lot of different circumstances in our environment between Kayla and myself, we weren't able to thrive. And I did question, was it the organization that I'm with from a work standpoint? Was it? something else that I was doing outside of work, was, were my priorities in the wrong place? And instead of immediately going to the place of, oh, I need to switch jobs or switch careers completely, I actually opened up that conversation with people who I could trust inside of the organization that I worked with. And it ended up becoming the conversation that allowed us to make a significant shift to move here, to move to Israel, uh, and really set up a life where we've been able to do a lot of really amazing things that we've been wanting to do with our time because the structure totally shifted. So just the idea that a person might be in a situation where they might immediately think this is the job's fault, this is the company's fault, I need to switch to another company, it might be worthwhile to have that question but express it in a way of not immediately thinking the grass is greener on the other side but looking for you know, what would it look like for me to be happy at this company before I decide that I'm, I can't be happy at this company and I, I go somewhere else? Does that make sense? That's a great point. And I have had clients do that. I've had clients come to me and say, I'm really not happy. I need to change jobs. And they go through the whole process of discernment about themselves, what they're looking for, their situation. And they say, you know what? It's not the job. I need to change my relationship to the job. So that's one is it, it, you're right. Don't people shouldn't assume it's the job. They, they really need to be thinking it through. The other thing to do with failure is it's easy to just go along day to day and not rock the boat. Nothing really significant gets done that way. So when people have, you know, kind of the nerve to try things and put themselves in the position of potential failure, that is often where great things come from. And that's why I say organizations need to be set up to, you know, if you're, if you're doing your job and you're making your best effort and it goes south, um, to not punish you for that. There was a story I ran across about a guy who made some bad mistake in a large company and it cost the company a million dollars. And people were saying, well, obviously you're going to fire the guy, right? And the boss said, well, why would I fire him? I just 
invested a million dollars on them. You know, he now knows something he didn't know before and let's move forward. But it's that person who's willing to make that risk is the one that's also potentially going to help make a shift that's positive. We are changing all the time as individuals. And, and so you kind of have to take your temperature at, at different moments and say, okay, well, where am I now? Maybe, you know, it's three years in. Is this where I want to be? How can I shift things? And not to allow yourself to be just stuck and dissatisfied and even worse, a victim. You know, allow yourself to be a victim of the situation. You know, when you start feeling that way, it's time to sort of pull up your bootstraps and say, okay, what's going on here? And what do I need to do? Amazing. Yeah, I feel like you shared so much there. It's, it's a whole world of, of other conversations we could have. But I want to keep moving here. There's a couple of things I'd love to hear from you in particular. You mentioned Doug Colson and the episode on digital marketing life called Building a Firefighter. Mm-hmm. You had specifically pointed out the environment piece, which was a huge factor for him. I know you also listened to two other episodes. One was How to Blaze the Pathway of Your Career with Olivia Hawkins from VaynerMedia. And the other was Side Hustles, Entrepreneurship, and Marriage with Kayla Levin, with your daughter, the founder of FirstYearMarried.com. So what I'd love to hear from you, just having heard those stories about people who have had massive career changes or shifts over the past number of years, but are working in environments that are definitely considered digital marketing or require that. I would love to hear what, from your background, what did you notice in their stories? Were there any themes that stood out to you? Sure. Well, so Doug Colson had been working, he said, automatically and not growing, but he was successful, um, but he wasn't happy. And you actually brought up the comment of bringing your whole self to work. And I think that Doug felt he wasn't bringing his whole self to work. And that's hard when you are being successful and you're still not happy. You know, like he was doing fine in his career. And maybe someone looking at him from the outside might not have realized that he wasn't happy, but he wasn't. And he, uh, he was an example of a person who really needed to explore. And he did. He tried a bunch of different things and he followed his nose, you know, and he he found uh, an opportunity to go talk to some firefighters and go out on a ride with them and, and found a field that's meaningful to him. Doesn't pay as much, but is meaningful and satisfying and makes him happy. So that's an interesting example. Sometimes, you know, you can be successful, but you're not, you're not enjoying your day-to-day life. And what does that mean? And Olivia, she, she was uh, a real go-getter. She knew what she was looking for. She was doing a lot of networking. She talked to a lot of people. She did a lot of researching. She did a lot of uh, communication, getting the word out. So she seemed to me to be an excellent example of a person who had a pretty good idea of what she wanted in general. And she just needed to learn about the the marketplace. She needed to learn about what is it that, uh, what are the opportunities out there for me? And she, uh, she got out there and did it. So she did a really good job with that. I actually also listened to Ashley Spot and that podcast that you did with her. And what I noticed with her was she was really willing to do what it takes to find her place. And she worked in the company and she was literally stocking shelves for this company. Remember that, Omri? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, she she was. And some people would say, that's beneath me. I have a bachelor's degree or whatever. You know, I'm not going to stock shelves in some store. Well, that was part of her job because it had to do, she was actually tracking, you know, what was, what was selling. She was learning the business kind of from the ground up by doing that as part of her job. That showed to me a willingness to really put in the effort. And I mean, that's something that's so important is, you know, I don't, I don't care what degree you have that you you need to learn the job. You need to learn the field. And it may mean doing some very basic things. And those people who are willing to do that and learn and prove themselves are more likely to be noticed and moved along in an organization. I remember, you know, I used to have people come to me when I was at one of my companies and say, I'm not happy in my job. I want a promotion. And they weren't being successful in their current job. And I had to say, you know what? You need to get to the point in your current job where your boss is giving you really positive feedback and be successful there before you're going to be promoted. So I think that Ashley was a great example of someone who was willing to do what it takes to learn, learn the ropes, show her willingness to work, you know, learn the position that she had and become more qualified for the next one. So Kayla Levin, she's just a brilliant person. And I love listening to your podcast with her because you really 
walked through that whole process that you went through when you were launching First Year Married, all the decisions that you made about what that would be and how you would communicate it. So that was fascinating. She is someone who stays very close to her values. Her values are the foundation of what she chooses to do, I would say. Do you agree with me on that? hundred percent. When I, when we first met, one of the things that my parents actually mentioned to me, but it was definitely something that I had noticed was that she knows what she wants and that's what she's going to go for. That's, it was part of her entire journey and everything that she did was knowing what she wants, what her values are and being consistent in pursuing them. Yeah. So, and she, she talked about knowing your why, you know, knowing your why, why am I doing this? And I think that she, you know, she definitely went, you know, explored what was important to her and became very clear about what was important to her and uh, has based her work on that and based her, her work on her values, what's important to her and not just to her, but her ability to share what she knows with the community in the first year married program that she has. So I just, I think she's a good reminder. Start with who you are as a, as a person and what's important to you, what you really truly value. And if you can do that and build on that, that's a very great foundation for a, a person's work and life. She definitely doesn't fall far from the tree. I know it was, it's amazing to see her in that environment, but also see kind of the perspective that you have on work, both in the book and getting to talk to you today about it. It's, it's an interesting window that I get to have. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have lots of conversations, don't we? And we always do. And I know you were talking about going to Maine and, you know, there, there would always be some time sitting on the, on the deck talking about things like personality style or Myers-Briggs type or Enneagram type or, you know, what kind of work environment people like. And it, it's, it's fun conversation, you know, to learn more about each other and to share yeah. ideas. A hundred percent. I think right next to me is the book, uh, your book on uh, Myers-Briggs and the types that we constantly mm-hmm. are bringing out and using definitely a lot of fun, but also extremely helpful and, and kind of, it's, it's almost like, it doesn't have to be an exercise when you have a conversation about one of these things. It can also be something that is just a topic um, to keep self-awareness kind of front and center is to talk about these things, not to box a person into a personality, but to explore different aspects of, of where we're at and how that might change over, you know, different phases of life. Absolutely. So you also had mentioned earlier in your career, just the career counselor roles that you've played, which is consistent with a lot of what you've done. But I would love to hear in particular, when it came to talking to somebody in one of these situations where they have to decide what their next steps are and who they are, but also, you know, what path they want to take and how to get there. How did you help clients through that decision-making? So when I when I would work with someone who says, I don't, no, I'm not happy in my work or I don't know what I want to do with work or I used to like what I do and I don't need more or I just got fired or laid off. I remember one, here's an example. I had a guy come to me. Uh, one of my clients was was an executive search firm and uh, an outplacement firm. And they had, there was an, a fellow who was a consultant with a management consultant company who had not been thriving in his job and they knew he was a bad fit for him. And they basically hired me to work with him to help him make the transition from the job he had as a management consultant to whatever it was he wanted to do. And his story is in the book. And, uh, you know, what I did with him was um, what I would do with anyone, which is walk them through a process. And it means, you know, with conversations with them. And then I would always give them homework. And the homework had to do with self-awareness at first. And it was all about, you know, who am I? Who have I always been? What do I enjoy? What am I good at? You know, looking at my history, what have I shown to have its strengths? Um, what is my personality style? And how does that apply to what kind of work would be a good fit for me? Um, what's important to me in my day-to-day life? You know, what are my values? What are the things that I must have, you know, in my day to make me happy and have a meaningful life? What are the, what are the expectations that I have inherited from my family or the community at large, my culture, 
that I like and what are the ones that I want to let go of? You know, people often have should, you know, I should do this. I should be this. In our family, we only do these jobs. In our family, we would never do such and such. You know, just awareness to bring those things to light and to question them. And then to say, here's what's meaningful to me this time in my life that I want to hold on to. And here are some things that I have been holding along with me all this time. And I'm letting go of them because they are no longer helpful to me for whatever reason. So we go through a process of of self-awareness and... And eventually start exploring, well, what would you like your day to look like? And I have people do what I call the perfect day exercise, which is think about a year, two years, three years, even five years out and write down a day in your life. It's a working day because you're not retired, you know, a working day, but it's a fabulous day. It's the best day. You love this day. And you may not know at this moment what exact the work is, but you can say, I go to this kind of, you know. Well, you start with your morning. What kind of a morning is it? Where are you? And what's your place like? And who's in your house? And do you have a dog? And, you know, do you live near the water? Or do you live where you live now? And what do you have for breakfast? And how do you get to work? Do you ride a bicycle? Do you commute in the subway? What kind of people are at work? What kind of things do you do there? Just go through the entire day and figure out what are the things you've got already from that day, you know? What are the things you can be doing that help bring that day to life? And then what are the gaps or the things you need to go and explore to help you learn more about how to get to that? I've done that myself multiple times over the years, and I've kept them. And it's amazing to see, you know, what you can do. And you basically, I'm talking about visualizing. You're you're trying to imagine, okay, where is it I'm wanting to go? And you may not end up exactly there, but you're going to head in a more healthy direction, a direction that fulfills you more. By pursuing that. So this guy that started out as a management consultant, great job. It didn't fit him at all. He did this and he discovered he wanted to be a high school teacher. He wanted to teach history and he had a great degree and he was, he had had to, you know, figure out how to become qualified to do that in the school setting. But he figured out a bunch of things about his life. He wrote a long, perfect day. I think it was pages long. He had so much wonderful detail in it. But by the time we finished working together, He not only had an idea about what he wanted and was going to pursue, but he no longer felt like this failure that had not managed to succeed as a management consultant, which was not his field. It wasn't the right thing for him. So it really is, first of all, it's self-awareness. Then it's trying to figure out where I want to go. And then there's usually a process of research. You know, you need to get out there and start asking questions. You need to get out there and volunteer to do something in the field or, you know, you need to work alongside somebody or you need to take a job that's lower in the feet, lower, you know, in the rung of ladders so you can work your way up or whatever. Go get a degree or, you know, what do you need to do to be able to do this? So there, there's always this process of exploration and off the, off the client will go and do the exploration and come back and we figure, okay, now what do you need to do? And eventually they, they make whatever that transition is that they need to make. And as you said, Omri, before, it may not be that big a change. I mean, this guy, he made a big change from, you know, big, you know, corporate life to working in his little in high school in a small town. But for other people, it might just be a shift in what they're focusing on or the kind of work they do in their field or where they put their time or the strengths that they want to use. Uh, the values that, you know, remembering the values that are most important to them and making sure that they're including those in their day-to-day life. It could be a small shift. As I said, I've had clients who stay in the same job, but they feel like they're now looking at it from a different way and they're happy there. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I, just speaking of small changes, there was one, one time, just a, a fun story. There was one time where I was really upset about the house where we were living in Atlanta I didn't know what the issue was, but I just felt like I didn't feel refreshed in the environment. I went on a business trip and we, I stayed at this really fancy hotel in California when I was visiting Google. I remember there taking a shower and feeling amazing. And when I got home, I went on Amazon and I bought a new shower head, installed it in the shower. And it was just the shower head being like really weak and not a pleasant experience that was messing with my day because every morning I would get in the shower and have this not so great experience that would start my day off. And it really bothered me. So from then on, I've always made sure I have a really good shower head 
because it's how I start my day every day. And it, it kind of puts a smile on my face. So sometimes those like really small changes can really change the quality of life, you know, despite the fact that they really seem insignificant. Yeah, you're making me smile. That is a great point. And, you know, one thing I, I sort of researched a bit when I was working on the book is this idea of the hologram. So a hologram is this thing, you know, you can project it. And and it's different from a picture because a picture, if you take a piece out of the picture, then a piece of the picture is missing. But in a hologram, every part of the hologram create, c- contains the whole image. Every piece of it contains the whole image. So my thinking about it is, if you have a perfect day in mind of where you want your, your life to be, you know, where you'd love to be in, in two years, and you know that your perfect day starts with a great shower, then that shower is a part of your perfect day. And it's a part of the whole story. People would say to me, here's my favorite breakfast. I want to have a cereal. I want to have fresh blueberries. Great. Have that because that is part of your whole story, the whole perfect day. It contains within it the whole thing that you're wanting to work towards. So it's, it's a great idea. Plus, Omri, by doing that, you're saying, you're saying, I have how I'd life, love my life to be. And here's a detail that makes it so much closer to that. You just made progress right there just by getting a shower head and installing it. So I don't dismiss that at all. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so you mentioned a lot of this work that um, you did yourself. And I would love to hear, having gone through that yourself, where you're at today and what's next for you. Well, I have, as I said in the beginning, I think I didn't have a traditional career. It started in the theater and it, it ended up in uh, doing organization development work. And I also worked in human resources. So I had a kind of a corporate life until a little over a year ago when I decided to step away from, from the corporate world and just have some freedom to explore some other things. And um, I can say that there's a couple things I love to do. I learned how to sail this last year, sail a small sunfish, which is a one-person boat, which has been great. I go sailing every Thursday with a bunch of uh, crazy, wonderful women who race uh, sunfish here in Florida. But the, the thing I love is photography. And I've loved photography since I was young. I took pictures of my kids as they were growing up. I loved photographing grandchildren. And I love to do photography, mostly of people, but also of travel. And I really spent the last year exploring, first of all, getting more technically proficient at it. And I'm actually now in the exploration phase of what is it I'm going to do with it. And, uh, you know, it, it's a process of kind of exploring and talking to people and learning more and um, figuring out where I want to focus and what I want to do with this ability that I have, and it's really a passion that I have as well. So I don't know where it's going to be, but I'm enjoying the process, and it's exactly the same process that, you know, you go through in terms of career. You, you learn things, you try things, you talk to people. My suspicion is I'm going to end up doing some sort of a small-scale portrait business, uh, but I don't know yet. And it's hard sometimes for people to not know, you know, especially when it's a career and you you need a paycheck and you need to know, it's very difficult to be in that place of not knowing. It's kind of like when you're laid off, it's not like being on vacation, you know, I mean, you're not working, but you're not on vacation. It's a whole different thing. So I, I'm so aware for, for people who are in that not knowing phase, how hard that is for them. I'm fortunate that it, I have the time. I, I have the time to not know and just be able to explore. And that's what I'm doing. So I'm, I'm you know... I'm working right now specifically on learning how to do an off-camera flash. That's what I'm working on right now. <laughs> Amazing. And I'm loving it. <laughs> Amazing. And traveling. And traveling and, and doing photography too. Yeah. Amazing. I know I, I've seen a lot of your work, some of, some of it with my children as the uh, subject, and it's really amazing, amazing work. We have some of the items up in our, or should be up soon in our apartment. We just got them in a shipment. So I'm very excited to see those again. Um, but I also want to just mention to, to all the listeners, and this plug is not coming from a place of any reason that you, you've given me to, to plug it, but I think just knowing that this is out there and people can still access it, Full Color Living is on Amazon, and I will have a link in the show notes and make sure that anybody who wants to check it out, which I highly recommend uh, for literally anybody who's working in any environment or looking for a transition, 
uh, to take a look at this book because it, it really has made an impact on me and it's filled with a lot of the insights, stories, but also tools that you'd mentioned. And uh, if anybody has any questions or wants to get access to some of the workbook material, we can also leave a, a link for them to, to get in contact with you. And I'll sure. those along. And if they're looking, on, if they choose to look on Amazon and they don't find your link right away, it's called Full Color Living and they need my name because they, they, otherwise they may not pull it up. It's, my name's Jennifer Joy Walker. My middle name is Joy. They put in Full Color Living and Jennifer Joy Walker. They should pull it up. It's a book. It's got a big picture of a sunflower on the front of it. And that would be really cool. And I love it if people would, if they, if they do read the book, if they'd write a review of it. Yeah, and, and definitely. And if you have any other comments, I can also pass those back. So thank you so much for joining us uh, on Digital Marketing Life. It was really a pleasure. I feel like I not only we got so much great content for the listeners, but I also personally learned a lot. And I kind of want to go through that exercise again for myself and see what comes out of it. Well, thanks, Omri. It's always great talking with you. Thank you for inviting me on your show. What an incredibly fascinating conversation filled with so many nuggets of golden advice. Summarizing this one is going to be quite a challenge, but let's review some of the highlights. Jennifer Joy Walker has had quite the career herself. Starting on stages in the theaters of London, she jumped to the world of corporate communications and then pivoted into work counseling others in their careers where she began to discover her true passions. Her work in organizational development led to her own adventure in interviewing clients and eventually launching her own consulting and speaking businesses, as well as writing full-color living and full-color work. I loved how she described the reasoning behind her books. She believes in a world where people focus on the importance of being instead of doing. That means finding a career that reflects who you are and what you love and recognizing that your career may not match the visions that others, even those close to you, have had for you. In order to do that, she suggests very logical and structured exercises in self-awareness and discovery. We briefly discussed the challenges of waking up in our generation and how it can be hard to have self-awareness or discovery when we're constantly plugged into somebody else's message. For that reason, Jennifer suggested travel and other ways to unplug to ensure you have the space you need to find your path. And in particular, she suggested focusing on your strengths and not taking them for granted. We assume everyone is good at the things that we're strong in, but that thought undermines our ability to use our strengths to offer value to others. She also emphasized the idea that you don't have to do something just because you're great at it. If it's not something you love doing, just take it off your resume. We then shifted to talking about running an organization. There was so much goodness. I have listened to this part of the conversation a few times over. In particular, she recommends building a culture of open communication, specifically one in which failure is not the writing on the wall, but the beginning of an opportunity for growth. She also emphasized the importance of celebrating as well as helping team members see how they fit into an organization's mission and contribute to its accomplishments. Finally, we talked through Doug Colson, Olivia Hawkins, Kayla Levin, and Ashley Spots' episodes and finished with a slew of amazing ideas for moving towards getting to do the work that you love, which you can check out in more depth in her book, which I've linked to in the show notes. I am so thankful to all of you for helping to spread the word and story about yet another incredible person. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.